Hey church, it's so good to be with you again, and as we continue this series, Choose Joy, I've been thinking about it of all the books and all of the chapters in the whole Bible. Philippians chapter 2 is probably my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. In fact, I've preached from Philippians chapter 2, this one chapter, many, many, many uh, times. In, In fact, just a few weeks ago, on Good Friday and on Easter, we looked at the first part of chapter 2, which is called the Christus Psalm. And it shows how Jesus left heaven and came down to be with us, to be one of us, and to ultimately die and be buried for us. And then it shows how he was resurrected and goes back up to the Father. But Paul starts that whole little psalm with this sentence, have the same attitude that Christ Jesus has. In other words, this whole concept of choosing joy is all a part of choosing to be like Christ, choosing the attitude of Christ, choosing the perspective of Christ. And Jesus Christ could have stayed in heaven where it was nice and cozy, and instead he stepped out, he moved down to be with us so that he could serve us, he could love us, and he could save us. And then you get to the next section of chapter 2. And as I was studying this and and going over my notes, because we're writing this all brand new uh, uh, over these weeks, I realized that just last summer, uh, we looked at chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, uh, I think in June, when I preached in June. And if you remember, some of you do, because you take meticulous notes. In fact, some of you take better notes than, than I do. Sometimes I see your notes posted on, on social media after the sermon and thought, I wish I would have thought to say it that way or use those kind of notes. But, but, but if you remember, we put these two verses up on those big post-its, and I had you circle and underline as we work through those two verses word by word and line by line. And so if you missed either of those two messages, Easter and Good Friday or last summer, then go back. They're still online. You can watch as, as we've taught previously Philippians chapter 2. But today, uh, what I want to do, because we're talking about choosing joy and how to choose joy in the midst of your circumstances and how to choose joy in the midst of your confusion, how to choose joy in the midst of chaos. And, and just a reminder, quick context reminder, Paul is in prison. Many scholars think he's in prison in Rome, and Nero was the Caesar of Rome at that time, and he was known uh, for taking Christians and staking them to the ground alive, uh, pouring tar on them, and then lighting them on fire to light up his backyard. That's the context of Philippians chapter 2. And by the way, Paul didn't know uh, that these letters would eventually actually reach those he was ministering to or not. The point is he was doing all of this with no promise of success. He was choosing joy with no promise of success. And, and when we invite someone to Jesus, or even just to a place where they could come to know Jesus, like we will this coming Sunday in this online Harvest Sunday, we're going to get people to our house, to our pool, to the service, uh, online in a watch party. We have no promise of success, right? But there is a chance. And, and that's all God and the gospel need to work with. And choosing joy is all about God's grace on the inside of you. So so let's start with verse 12, if we could, just get a running start and and see how this whole thing uh, plays out. Look at what he says, dear friends. Now here's what I want you to do. Circle that S on friends and and then up above it, write plural. Uh, This is plural. By By the way, this whole working out your salvation is a plural thing. We do this in community, which means there are certain aspects of our faith that can only be uh, done 
in community. There are parts of our faith that we have to do in community. Now look at what he says. You've always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, by the way, when he's away, he's, now that absence is filled with the presence of Jesus, which is better, right? And when your kids go to school or college and your presence is no longer felt, hopefully the presence of Jesus is felt, which is better than your presence. And that's what Paul is saying. So now you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. So church in quarantine, it's more important than you pay attention to what Jesus is saying. Now, now look what he says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear for, remember four always points to what's coming ahead. Therefore points to what's behind, four points to what's coming ahead. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now let's break this down for a bit, because the first thing you might think is that Paul is telling us to work for our salvation, to, to work hard for it. And, and you know what we preach around here. We preach Jesus hates religion. And if you've read that book or you've listened to those messages, if you haven't, you should. But, but if you have, you, you know that Paul teaches and the New Testament says, and Jesus died for the foundational truth that you are not saved by what you do. In other words, you cannot be saved by good works. That ain't it, chief, right? But, but you are saved for good works. That's what Paul is getting at here. So, so let's break this down if we can. Uh, let, let's go back to the text. Work hard to show. Double underline those uh, four words as the verbal phrase. To show what, put in parentheses, the results and parentheses, of your salvation, and then draw an arrow, work hard to show over to the results. And, and the, when the results, when you understand that this is not achieve or earn, but show, show, show the results of your salvation. And, and, in other words, your good works are not meant to win your salvation but they are meant to win others to the Lord. And so Jesus said to let your light shine to the whole world to let them know you are mine. Listen, we are not saved by our work. We are saved so that we can work. And look at what he says, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Put that in parentheses, deep reverence and fear, and right out beside that, not afraid or scared. That's not what that's about, deep reverence and fear. We're not afraid or scared of God. It's a deep reverence for God. We, we uh, revere Him. That means you respect God. You admire God. You don't want to do anything to hurt Him or to hurt His uh, name. Now, now look at what he goes on to say, verse 13, four. There's another four, because looking ahead, right? For uh, God is working in you. Circle the four, underline God, that's the subject, is working, are the verbs, double underline that, draw parentheses around in you because that's where he is working. For God, draw an arrow over to God. Is working, draw an arrow over to in you. He is working it in you. It, it, it's only with God working in you that you can work your salvation out. You can't work your salvation into you. You, you can only work it out of you because God has to work it in you 
first. Now, let me illustrate this for you, if I could, uh, over here. I'm a coffee drinker, but I am not a, a coffee snob. Coffee is the choice uh, of a morning drink for American people, in fact, all over the world. Some of my friends uh, are coffee snobs. I don't care if it's Keurig or Nespresso or a what, French press. I don't care. But, but my friends who are snobs, they tell you the only way to go is, is the French uh, press. And, and the press part I get and completely understand. The French part, I don't know. I don't know what's French about it. And I don't know what's French about French fries either. But, but, but let me show you how the French press works and, and what, how it makes such a great cup of coffee is the how. It, it literally infuses the flavor and the caffeine uh, from the beans into uh, the water. Now, this is how this works. I, I have uh, pre-measured and, and uh, warmed up the uh, French press already. You have to warm it up with hot water and then dry it out. Then you put the beans in, and I've already measured the water. Uh, you, you, you want to put uh, boiling water. You put just a little bit first, okay? Some people pour it all in. They're not doing this correctly. But then you want to give it a little bit of a stir so that all of the beans are, are, are submerged. By the way, you, you grind it on a coarse or medium because fine will press up through the filter. But then you add the rest of the water, and uh, I've pre-measured this to eight cups. And, and, and so uh, then you put this in to keep the heat in. I like to put the plunger in uh, to keep the heat in. Th then you set a timer uh, for three or four minutes, depending on the strength that you like. And so uh, I don't want to waste this, so I want you to discuss this for, for a minute, if you would. What, what are some things that God is working in you and out of you during this season? And, and maybe you want to ask it this way, what's something you waited for that came out good? You, you take two minutes and you guys talk about this if you would.
So here's the point. Uh, You can only work out of it what was already put in it. See, you could put uh, dog poop in here. That'd be gross. But what would you get out of it? It would be gross, right? It would look the same, but but it would not be the same. And, And here's the point. You and I, we are responsible for working out only what God put in us at at the point of salvation. Are you following? God God works it in you and you work it out. In in fact, just take uh, your pen and circle those words, work out, uh, because it is a workout. In fact, think of it that way. How many of you are doing some form of pandemic workout, right? In fact, how many of you CrossFitters have your home gym already set up. You probably got it set up within hours uh, of the stay home order. You were like, honey, what is in this house that weighs 150 pounds uh, that I can lift? And, and, and do you mind if I move all the cars out of the garage and write on the wall with a Sharpie? But, but the rest of us, listen, we're walking. That's what we're doing. We're walking a lot. And as much as we're walking, we're probably eating uh, more and cooking. And, and you've heard of the freshman 15. This could be the COVID-19 but because we're all going to gain the COVID-19, 19 pounds. And, but, but what Paul is telling us is to work out our salvation, to, to work out what God put in. And when we work out physically, we do that to get rid of what we put in our mouths, right? Well, spiritually, we can only work out what God has already put in, and look at what that means. Let's go back to the Scripture and look at what it says. Look at what it says. He says, giving, draw an arrow from working, giving, double underline uh, that verb, if you would. He is giving you what? The desire and the power to do uh, draw a line from both of the, from giving to both of those, giving you the desire and giving you the power to do. Uh, that, that, that's what he's doing. What, to do what? To do what pleases him. In other words, God gives you the desire to do the work on the front end, and then he gives you the power to do it. In other words, he's giving you both the motivation and the ability. So he's doing both. It's decisively on him. He is the one who puts the work of salvation in you, but he also gives you the desire and the power to make it work and to work it out. Listen, work is an action that produces results, right? That's what work is. So when we work out our salvation, we are producing a result. And what is the result? What pleases God? Circle that. What pleases God? Another way to say it is good purpose or joy for God. It's joy to God, joy for God, to work out what God worked in you. So it is a workout and it produces results. It is an action that produces results when you work out. You're looking for results, right? You, you, you hope to at least see results, and, but we all know this results may vary, right? That, that's what they tell us every single fitness commercial that comes on, that you see the guy doing the exercise with the tension band, right? And, and, and it, the commercial says just 10 minutes a day, and, and, and then they show you the before and, and the after. And, and the before is someone like me, right, on the couch with cookie crumbs all over my shirt with, with his COVID-19 weight gain, right? And, and the after guy is somebody with ripped abs and the body of, of a Greek god. And you think, just 10 minutes a day? 
I can do that, right? If it means I get that body, and then you hear the message, it's real quick at the end of the commercial, results may vary. And you know, you just know that the results you and I will get are not those, right? That guy got ripped, and all we got is ripped off. In fact, take two minutes and talk about what's a diet you've tried or a fitness equipment that you bought or any class that you've ever attended where the results varied. Take a minute and talk about that. But when you work out your salvation, hear me, the results don't vary. But because it is God's desire in you and it is God's power in you being worked out, what he already worked in you. And so Paul goes on uh, to list a few results, three, three of them actually. And these are the things we need to look for and look out for when we start working out out our salvation, what God worked in us. These are the concrete paths to know if you really are working out your salvation. And here's the first thing he mentions in verse 14. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. That, that's so basic, isn't it? You, you want to choose uh, joy, then choose not to complain and choose not to argue. It's just that simple. The, the, the word for complain, it, it has the word picture of whispering, uh, to get together with someone and whisper a complaint, to whisper uh, a, a complaint, I can't believe I have to do this, or I have to go through this, or this is what we're looking at, or this is what we're facing. Uh, maybe uh, you whisper about somebody else that, that I can't believe he did that, or I can't believe she's wearing it, whatever. That, that's the word picture uh, of complaining. The, the word picture of arguing, the Greek word here, the Bible word here, it actually means not to argue with somebody. It means to argue in your head. 
Uh, almost everywhere this Greek word is used, it's used in relationship to arguing with God. So, so we allow our thoughts to lead us down this path of blame, where we end up blaming God. Where are you, God? Why, why God? Why are we walking through this? I can't believe this, God. And, and we begin to argue with God. This is our inner lawyer coming out uh, against uh, God. And, and we complain to others. We argue with God. And, and this arguing, it's about the thoughts and emotions that we think. We think they're bigger than God. And it's about trying to go uh, to a level higher than God. And what, what does Paul say? Uh, same author of Philippians over in 2 Corinthians, I think chapter 10, he, he says, what are we to do? We are to cast down every thought that thinks it's bigger than God. We, we demolish those arguments, so to speak, and we raise God up. And, and so we need to be watching our words, especially right now. We, we, we need to be careful of who we criticize and how we do it. There, there are some who are thrilled and happy that the state is partially opening, and, and there are some who are still very, very afraid. There will be some who think that corona is no big deal, and, and some who are suffering from it and seeing people they know die, and everywhere in between. There will be some who think that wearing a mask is weird, and there will, think, there will be some who think not wearing a mask is cruel. Look, look, we need to watch what we say and what we post online, not because Big Brother is watching you, but because everyone is watching you. And, and so if work is an action with a result. What, what, what is the result here? Let, let's go back and look at it in, in verse uh, 15. He says, so that no one will criticize you. No, no one will criticize you. In, in other words, uh, no, no one can criticize you as a believer. No, no one can criticize you as a Christian. So, so no one can say, that's what I figured a Christian would say. Now, you need to be watching what you say because other people are watching. And what we say, according to the Word of God, can bring life or death. Complaining and arguing, listen to me, according to what Paul is saying here, they bring death. And what we have as believers is a chance to bring real life to people when we choose joy by choosing not to complain and not to argue. In fact, James says over in his book, he who does not stumble in what he says, he is perfect. That's an amazing verse of Scripture when you look at it. In other words, uh, grumbling and arguing, that's the last thing to go as you're working this salvation out. In fact, I, I think it's easier to uh, stop pornography or stop lust or stop murdering or stop whatever than it is to stop grumbling and stop complaining. Th this is the real salvation of God working itself out of you, what, which brings us to the next thing uh, that Paul says to work out. Look at what he says. He says, live, uh, double underline, live what? Clean, parentheses, clean and innocent, parentheses, what? Lives. And so draw a line from clean over to lives and innocent over to lives. So we're, we're living these lives that are clean and innocent as the children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse uh, people. So the NLT uses two words here, clean and and innocent to translate three words in the Greek, okay? And so th these three words, they all start with the letter A or alpha in, in the Greek language, wh which is, is putting that on the front end of a word, ah, whatever. And what it does is it makes an antonym. It's the opposite of that word. It's like putting the prefix un or 
non as a prefix. You're Christian or unchristian, right? Christian or non-Christian. That's what you're doing with the A in front of it in the Greek language. Or it's like putting less as a suffix at the end of a word, right? Uh, pointless. It doesn't have a, a, a point. And, and so it's like uh, un or a non on the front end or a less on the end of the word. And in fact, let me just explain to you uh, what these three words uh, mean. And in fact, write these three words down if you would. Blameless. You see how it has the e- e- less on the end, the opposite of blame, blameless, no blame. Flaw. Less and faultless. And and these are the three words in Greek. This is the way that they play out. So Paul wants us to live in such a way that we cannot be blamed, that we have no flaws, and there are no faults in our lives. And and we hear that and we think, whoa, wait wait a minute. That's a very high standard, but, but think about it. It's impossible in your own power. It's impossible to live without blame, without flaw, and without fault. And, but here's the point. We don't have to live in our own power, right? We're working out our salvation means working out what God has already worked into us. So God put the power within you, according to Paul, to live blameless, flawless, and faultless. And so blame, uh, what, what, what does blame means? It means that we are free from blame. Write this down. It's not acting perfect. It's not acting perfect. In fact, Paul tells us over in chapter 3 that he is not perfect. Not that I've achieved it, not that I'm perfect, but, but it means that our sin, our sins are forgiven. Our, our sins are forgiven. So live like it. Live like it. Live like our sins have been forgiven. So flaw, what, what, what is a flaw? That means there is a defect in us, but God removes that defect. When does he do that? He does that when you believe in Jesus. In other words, the old has passed away and all things have been made new. Now, fault, fault, faultless. Can you live without faults? What, What is a fault? Well, you know what a fault line is. In fact, the, the last few years here in Tulsa, we, we've been through an earthquake or two where uh, the ground shifts a, a bit, and the ground literally starts rubbing against itself, maybe even opens up a bit. And, and that fault is, is a small fracture. That's what a fault line is. And we usually don't know it's there until it happens and you have a, a quake. And, and the same thing is true with us. Our fault lines are where we have these minor cracks in our character. And, and, and we have something in our lives that can cause a huge problem later on if left unchecked. So we, we need to address them before they become major uh, quakes. In fact, listen to the prayer of David over in Psalm 51 as he's talking to his heavenly father. Search me, O God. 
Know me, O God. See if there be any wicked way within me. He's asking God to run the scan, run the x-ray, do the MRI. Listen, we, we, we don't need to be afraid of that. But because when we ask God to do that, A, he already knows about it, but B, he already paid for everything that he is going to show you. He's already paid for it. It's not like when you have an inspector over to uh, your home or, and, they're inspe- and you're afraid whatever they find is going to cost you, or a dentist is poking that thing on your teeth to see if there's a soft spot, or, or, or a doctor uh, is doing this. We know it's going to be painful. We know it's going to cost us when, when they do it, but not with God. When, when God scans us, he's already paid for all of the things he's going to show us. When my children were little, we had a few broken bones and casts and some dislocations when, when the kids were little. And a couple of the times, it was very obvious. When Eli was about six years old, he fell off of a monkey bars that were way too high. He had a compound fracture in his uh, forearm where both bones were sticking up, almost protruding through the skin. And, and he came to me and, and, and said, Dad, hey, I think I busted my arm. And I was like, yeah, we don't need an x-ray. We know uh, it, it's busted. Limley one time fell out of a tree and dislocated her elbow and and came in crying and said, Dad, it's, it's hurt. It was out of place. And they had to knock her out in order to get it back into place at the ER. But, but all the other injuries, it wasn't quite so obvious that it was broken. We, we didn't know. We needed an x-ray uh, to tell us if it was broken. In fact, I, we went to the emergency room so many times when my kids were little uh, that I dreaded it. I, I hated paying for it. I knew the bills were going to come. And, and I thought about, uh, at one time, considered buying a tuning fork because somebody told me that you could do that instead of an x-ray. You could hit the tuning fork and then put it on a bone. And if it was broken, it would really hurt because that vibration would hit that crack. But, but here's the point. Listen, uh, we, we need to let God do the x-ray on us and show us the cracks and, and, and the faults. And, and, and before we finish today, let me just show you the result of all of this. What happens when, when we live lives without complaining or grumbling or innocent or clean lives? Uh, look, the Bible says we shine like the stars. In, in, in other words, it is so rare in this world, not complaining and not arguing, that, that according to Paul, if we will do just that, we will shine in this world. It's so counterintuitive because in this world, it seems like that that you will be unknown and unnoticed if you stop complaining and and grumbling. But what God says is just the opposite is true. What what would you put on social media if you stopped complaining and grumbling? What, What God says is, listen, we will shine like the stars. And here's the deal with this family activity. We had all the families drive through the campuses uh, uh, this weekend and and pick up bags, and and it had glow stars in it. We we walked you through this little devotional of charging these stars and then letting them glow in the dark on your kids' ceilings. Here's the deal with those glow-in-the-dark stars. If you don't charge them, your kids will be sorely disappointed, right? Because they won't glow at all. The point is those stars are not a light source. You have to charge them with the light. Listen to me. We are not a light source. We reflect the light of Jesus Christ. How? By not complaining and not grumbling. When is that true? Well, I was reading Matthew chapter 5 this week. You know know this verse. Let uh, your light so shine that others may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That they, they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Hear me, it can't be that what Matthew is saying is that just do good works and that will address, direct attention to God. We, we see that everywhere. We see good works everywhere with no attention or no direction given to God Almighty. But, but when you back up a few verses, that was verse 16, you back up five verses to verse 11, and Matthew says in chapter 5, when others revile you, 
persecute you or all kinds of evil comes against you. It, it sounds like what Paul is saying over in Philippians about no murmuring and no complaining and, and no grumbling. In other words, it must be something else that really makes our works shine. It's joy in the midst of suffering. That's what makes that happening. And when we get rid of grumbling and we get rid of disputing and we get rid of arguing, our lives in those moments let others know that Jesus is real. Our joy is a light shining against the darkness of the world. Listen, our light doesn't have to be bigger than the darkness. It just has to be different from the darkness. A city on a hill is not bigger than the hill. A star in the sky is not bigger than the sky. Your choice of joy, it may seem very small, but it can have a huge effect. Now, now as we go back to this French press, it's probably been going a little long. Three or four minutes is the normal way to do it, but the reason that we work this stuff out is so that others around us can taste and see that God is good. We, we, we allow this to be worked out of us, that God is working in us. And, and that's what you need to see. That's what other people need to see is the work of God. Listen, it is the pressing. It is the pressing. Look at that top on that and that foam on top. It is the pressing that brings out uh, all of the beauty and all of the flavor in our lives. It's the heat of this world and it's the pressure of this world. Uh, otherwise, you just would have campfire coffee. It's nasty. But, but in fact, the, the, the less you press it, the less or the weaker the coffee will be. What, what the world needs to see is our strength that, that, that is happening. Look at that. Oh, it smells beautiful. And it, it, it is wonderful. Look at that steam coming off of that. It's dark and rich and, and mm, it's delicious. And, and that's what the world needs to see is the strength of God. That, that, that one more. The strength of God, listen to me, church, is no use for you to talk about the Prince of Peace when you don't have any. What did he do for us? Remember at Gethsemane? That word Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, is, it means the press. And he had the life pressed out of him. What was being pressed? What was the fruit of that pressing that came out of Jesus? Obviously the joy uh, before him, you and me having a relationship with him, but it was surrender. It, it was him surrendering. And, and, and when we are pressed, we come to this place of surrender to God. Uh, uh, most of us know Isaiah 53 uh, in, in the early verses of, I think, verse 6, that we've all like sheep gone astray. But, but in verse 7, do you know what it says? It says, he, Jesus, was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He, he was led like a lamb to slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. No complaining and no grumbling. J jump down to the end of that in verse 12 in Isaiah 53. It says, therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death. It sounds exactly like Philippians 2 and, and what happened to Jesus. Listen, it was pressed out of him for you and for me. That's what he put inside of us. Let's let church, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, shine this week. 
In fact, that's our goal, is to shine in the darkness. And as you invite people this week to watch parties and and to come over and to watch the service next week, May 17th, we're going to have a harvest and we will see what God is going to do. And and for the sake of time, listen, let's skip to verse 17 because Paul goes on and look at what he says. Same line of thought here. And he makes this very, very practical for us. Look look at verse uh, 17, if you would. In verse 17, listen to what he says. But I will rejoice. I will rejoice even if I lose my life. Pouring it out like a liquid. We just saw it. A liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Verse 18, yes, you should rejoice. And Circle that word rejoice, and I will share your joy. Circle that word joy. Four times here, Paul talks about joy. Twice it's joy, the feeling of joy, and twice it's a verb, rejoice, the act of choosing joy. Joy is this weird thing. It's a feeling. We, we, we got a feeling, but it's also a choice. We make a choice, and it becomes this cycle. We choose joy, we feel joy. We feel joy, we, we, we choose more of it. We choose it, we feel it, we choose it, we feel it, and it just keeps going. What do we call it? We call that a habit. And, and verse 18 says, joy is a habit. You should rejoice. Later he says, and again I say rejoice. H- how do you make a habit of joy? You practice it, you repeat it, you correct it, and you commit to it in, in, in three spheres of our lives. What we say, how we live, and what we believe. You, you practice it. Now, what, what do you do? When you do those things with joy, listen to me, uh, with the intention of being joyful, it will produce joy in you. When, when you work out what God has worked in you, you will produce joy. And that's the ultimate result of your salvation. What, what did David pray? Restore to me the what of my salvation? The joy of my salvation. Let, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that goes before us. We thank you for your church, the body of Christ. And today we pray across all of these living rooms and homes and places uh, where people are joining in today that you would meet them right where they are and that you, Father, would restore to them the joy of their salvation. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior, Would you just pray with me right where you are? I want to lead you in a prayer, and I want you to pray it either out loud or under your breath. And I want want to help you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That's what I'm going to help you do. And the Bible says, when you do those things, you shall be saved. And so right where you are, whether you're in a group of people or all alone, would you just pray with me and say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And today I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. Jesus, come into my life to be my Lord, my Savior, and my forgiver. In the best way that I know how, I turn my back on my sin, and I trust you alone, Jesus, to save me. Thank you for saving me. 
The rest of you, you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer, would you just look up at me? Just look up at your device. Just look up at your computer. Just look up at your television. And let me just say to you, congratulations. I am so proud of you. That is the wisest and the greatest decision you could ever make is to trust Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And if you just prayed that with me, would you just take your phone right now and just text the word decision to 555 888. Just the word decision to 555-888. Just text right now. Just type in the word decision and, and then send it to 555-888. If you're watching on our webpage over in the comment section, just click the button that says, raise my hand, raise my hand. I made this decision to trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Click that button, raise my hand. I trust Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And, and if you did that, I say to you, congratulations. We are so grateful that God wants to save us. And we're so grateful today that he would use this church in your decision to help you trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Church, I love you. Listen, this week, let's get as many people as we can into this online service next weekend. And let's pray every day for, for salvation to spring up out of the ground, that we would be a part of something amazing that God does next Sunday. I love you. God bless. See you soon. What an incredible, incredible oh, man, message, so incredible experience. So shout out to Matt Powell for leading us in worship. So cool. Yes, yes. Shout out to our senior pastor, Alex Amaya, for yet another incredible message. Now we've got some takeaways. And so Kate, what was one of the takeaways for you from this message? Yeah, I love this. And I love the book of Philippians. And I love specifically the, the section that we were in today. Yeah. And I love that Pastor Alex explained a part that so often gets confusing for us. Yeah. That he says, work out your salvation. Mm -hmm. And so often that can seem like we're supposed to work for salvation, mm. but Pastor Alex explained that we are not saved by our works, yeah. but we are saved so that we can work, Yes, right. yes. so that we can do the thing that God has called us to. And what a sweet gift that our salvation is not based on our works, mm -hmm. but that because of Jesus Christ, we get to work in our salvation. Yes. We yes. get to work out of our mm. salvation. Mm. So I, I loved that part. That's so good. So, so good. good. Pastor Keith, what were some of your takeaways, sir? Uh, I think I really connected with the, you know, it's in the pressing yeah. that we're able to really come through, right. you know, and it, it's you know, sometimes that pressure that what we walk through, what we go through in life, um, it's so difficult mm. when we're in the middle of it, but as we go through it and, and we're able to see God work mm. in our life and, and what we come out with on the other yeah. side is so much better, you yes. know, and then we're ready to be poured out mm -hmm. and to be used mm. to be able to to reach others, you know, as we come through those difficulties in our life, oh my gosh, now we're eager. Now right. we're ready to yeah, yeah. share about God. For sure. And this is how he showed up for me and I can't wait to share with you Love what it. he'll do for you in yeah. your life. And so I think in the pressing. Oh, that's good. That yeah, really spoke to me today. Incredible. I think for me, what I was thinking about was, um, you know, how God is, you know, sometimes using difficult situations to work things in us. Yeah. You know, so that we can, you know, then work that so that he can work them out of us. Yeah. Right. And I think the key to, you know, all of that, the key to him working things in us so that he can work things out of us mm -hmm. is choosing joy. Yeah. You know, like for, for me, like maybe he's working in patience, you know, so there has to be some situations where I face being impatient, mm -hmm. you know, and, and in those situations, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm impatient, I'm impatient. But I need to stop and think, you know what, what if God's trying to work in patience in me? 
You know, so I'm gonna choose joy in this situation. I'm gonna choose joy where I could choose impatience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in that choosing joy, now what God can do is work out patience out of me. Now I can be a more patient person, but I don't know that I can reach that until I face this situation that's difficult, that, you know, forces me or, you know, encourages me to choose joy. Yeah. And I think it's really in the choosing joy that God can work out of you what he's worked inside of you. Do you feel like, like the more times or the more often, and I may not articulate the right way, but the more often you choose to choose joy, maybe the easier it gets oh, to yeah. do it again and you start to build that in your life. And yeah. It's almost like, this is just like breathing. Like right. I, I just, I choose joy just like I choose to take in a breath. And yeah. it's, just, it's just a part of me and it's what's coming out of me. Yeah, I think for me, like what, what really happens with me and what makes it easier is I practice the pause. Mm -hmm. So when something's happening or when I'm facing something, I pause and step back. Okay, God, what are you trying to do? Well, let me choose joy and allow you to do what you're trying to do. And I think that, to your point, as you continually make that a practice, a practice of the pause, if you will, yeah. the easier it becomes to choose joy in your circumstance, but the easier it becomes to choose joy quickly. You know, a lot of times yeah. it's like, you know, two or yeah. three weeks, like, okay, I finally chose joy. But as you practice, it becomes easier to just choose joy. You know what, God, I don't understand what's going on, but I know you got me, and so yeah. I got joy. You know what I'm saying? Can I so. share a quick story yeah, how please. this played out in my life? Absolutely. So a lot of people know my story. Over a decade ago, I had cancer, yeah. ended up at MD Anderson. And so after this crazy surgery, I go back, and I have to have radiation. Mm. And so every day you go at the same time, and you see the people before you, and you see the people after you, mm. when, you when you have your treatment. And so... You know, I, I really didn't look sick. I didn't feel sick. Yeah. It was all inside me and it just had to come out, all that kind of good stuff. Of course. But a lot of the people that were around me were so sick. Mm. And so I just made it this intentional part of me to smile. Yeah. And so whenever I was, I would smile at them, you know, and I would say, hello, how you doing? It's yeah. good to see you. you know, we're going to do this, you know, kind of yeah. thing. And uh, there was this young man, he would always go in right before me. Yeah. He was originally from Saudi Arabia and he had cancer all through his his sinuses mm. and everything. And he was going through chemo too at the same time. Yeah. So sick. They were Muslim. His mom was always there with him every day. And mm. he would go back and she would go over and she would pray yeah. uh, for him, you know. And we started talking to each other, you know. And, and, and so one day she walks over to me and, mm. and she says, my son wants to know what's different with you. Mm. And I wow. said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, he says that every time I come out, that man, he smiles at me. Mm. But I know he's sick too. How? Wow. How? Could he be happy mm. in the midst of all of this, you know? And the fact of the matter is it's just, that's a choice that yeah. we make, you know? So and we never know yeah. the impact. It allowed me to have a conversation with a young man and his mom mm. walking through one of the most difficult times in their life. And so, you know, we gotta choose it, Amen. you know? We gotta choose it, y'all, and, and we gotta live it out. That is so in our awesome. Life, right? Thank you so much, yeah, Pastor man. Keith, for that Absolutely. awesome story. Yeah, it's good. Now, you guys, Kate has got some things that are happening in the life of the church that she wants you to know about. So she's going to tell you about some things that are happening. Yeah, we've got two really exciting things coming up. And the first of which I want to tell you about is our advanced track. Mm -hmm. This is the perfect way for you to do just what our heart, our church desires for you to do. And that is to know God, mm -hmm. to find freedom, to discover the very purpose for which you were created and to begin to make a global difference. And you can be Begin to do those things through our advanced track. It's a, a four-week class that we offer that you can join in and learn kind of who we are as yeah. a church and who God is calling you to be and even created you to be. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you can sign up for that class online at battlecreekchurch.com backslash advance. Yes. And it should be right here on the yes, screen. Yes, right for you. here. So uh, so check that out. Come and hang out with us in advanced track and just see what God has in store for you. It's so 
cool. The second thing I wanna tell you about is our Harvest Sunday. Yes. It's coming up this next Sunday. It is gonna be an incredible opportunity for you to invite your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, maybe those you haven't seen in a while, or mm. maybe those who you've gotten to know because of this quarantine, the people mm. that you take walks uh, by their house during the week, or uh, a neighbor that, or a coworker that you've been Zooming with. Yeah. It's a perfect opportunity to invite them to join you for this online Harvest Sunday, where the gospel is gonna be presented, and that your friends, your family, your coworkers and neighbors will have the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their savior. There is no greater thing you can invite someone to. So make sure to check that out yeah, next good. Sunday. Be inviting your friends and family too. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. Well, we want to thank you so much for checking out the online experience of Battle Creek Church. We sincerely hope that you have experienced God today. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, or if we can pray or support you in any way, we invite you to text the word Battle Creek to 555-888. And we love to partner with you in your journey. We want to say God bless you. We want to say that God loves you. We are praying for you. We're praying that God would surround you with who he is, that you would experience his love, his grace, and his mercy, and that you'd have an absolutely awesome week. We'll see you next week.